0: helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. When it was on evening that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. This is traditionally the reading we get that first Sunday after Easter. Uh, the story of what is commonly referred to as Doubting Thomas. Um, and I've always preached on Thomas. It seems like a, a, a common thing. We all have doubts. We all have questions. We all wonder. Uh, and that is a lot of what led, led uh, us to In Between Services... The adult forum that uh, we've been doing, how do you be a practicing Christian when you're not always a believing one? And it seems like that topic, especially this morning, is we talk about um, intellectual doubts that we might have, and how do we deal with those, that that would be a very natural tie-in for this morning. But as I was reading and preparing, there was something else that really jumped out with me that I think also provides a lot... I hate to say doubts because that can be used so negatively, as if it's a bad thing, and I think it's okay to doubt. We've talked about this before. I don't think doubt is the opposite of faith. I think fear is the opposite of faith. Doubts help us question and wonder and go deeper in our faith. But there's something that I notice in the readings that I think is really something that we miss about what it means to be church, and I think is what prevents a lot of people from walking in the doors of the church because I think they have a better idea about what the message of Jesus is. And then when they hear Christians speak, uh, they think, man, that's not the message of Jesus that I, <laughs> I know when I read Scripture. And so it goes back to when I first, uh, not I first, it goes back to Maundy Thursday. Anyone remember, what does that word mandi mean, or where does it come from? Mandatum and commandment. I'm going to pretend that's what I heard somebody say, right? Heard a lot of mumbling, but I know that's, that's what was said, right? And what was that mandate that, Christ, that Jesus gave on the night of the Last Supper in John's Gospel? Do this in the remembrance of me, but that actually came from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Not from John's Gospel. John gave him a new commandment. That you love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. One of the last things Jesus talks to his disciples about before he dies, I give you a new commandment, and that is to love. Now we have a resurrection appearance of Jesus. And what is the first thing he says to them? You can look in your bulletin if you'd like to. Peace be with you. So one of the last things Jesus says is love one another. One of the first things Jesus says is peace be with you. And then he continues on and he tells them to do what? Forgive. Some of the last things Jesus said, some of the first things Jesus said are to love, Peace and forgive. Love, peace, and forgive. This book is now probably about seven or eight years, or maybe eight, I want to say it came out in 2011. It's called Unchristian What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity and Why It Matters. Each chapter is uh, about what a new generation really thinks, right? They surveyed people. Here are, I think it's seven words. That were used to describe Christianity today. And we just said some of the last things Jesus said and some of the first things Jesus said were love, peace, and forgive. I hope we read those words here, but if you have any idea where this is going, I think you can assume what we're not going to hear hypocritical, all about getting saved, anti homosexual, sheltered, too political. Judgmental. That is what a new generation really thinks about what Christianity is. And yet, the last things Jesus said, the first things Jesus said, love, peace, and forgive. What do you need in your life? Being judged or being forgiven? (laughs) We're good at judging ourselves, aren't we? We know that we mess up. I don't know how many people, one of the questions I like to ask people that have been in church a while, why do you keep coming to church? Because you don't have to, right? You have a choice on Sunday morning. You could get up and do something else. In fact, there was one Sunday, this was a couple years ago, I had a Sunday morning off in June when we were still back in Wisconsin. It was. I think it might have been the only Sunday in which we weren't somewhere else so i woke up in my own bed in june and it was like this but fifteen degrees warmer right so i remember getting up making a cup of coffee going outside and drinking my coffee with the warm sun coming down oh it was glorious i go i did a tuesday morning bible study and i go into tuesday morning bible study and said pastor tim how was your how was your sunday off and so I told him when I did, and I go, I got a question for you. Why does anybody go to church? <laughs> if you could do that every Sunday morning, why are you in church? Because, man, it was great. So I love to ask people, when you don't have to be here, why do you come to church? And there's an answer that, ah, I get a little emotional about it, that really stuck out with me, that somebody shared, because I need to be forgiven. I know that I mess up every day. I mean, you could just sense the emotion that was in this person's voice that, man, life has these things going on in it, right? And you do your best. And this, while I, in my mind I'm thinking about a specific person, it's a very common answer. Because they need to be a place. I hear people say, I need to be a place in which I know I'm loved. I go back... Go back to the week my brother died. And out on the dog walk with my mom, right? You remember me telling this story? If you don't, you'll hear it now. She originally wasn't going to go to church that first Sunday morning, right? We found out about my brother Friday night. And on Saturday, I just can't go. It's too hard. I can't go. And then Sunday morning, we're out in the walk with her dog at the dog park, and she's like, "I just need to go where I'm loved." Right? Someone's telling me I just need to go where I'm forgiven. I just need to go where I'm loved. The world needs a bit of peace, doesn't it? Our lives need a bit of peace, don't they? And yet, what the world continuously hears from those, I, and this is what I feel, from those who speak the loudest, and this is why we need to think we need to have a louder voice as well, as we are hypocritical, which is true. I'll stand up here and say I'm the chief hypocrite. But can we own that? Say I'm trying and I'm owning it. I know I'm not perfect, but we're judgmental. We're anti Right? We align ourselves with, or Christianity too often gets aligned with one political party. Right? It's in bed with, with politics, and it's not about what is faith-based, it's about what is power-based. There's times I don't blame people for walking in the doors, right? Has anybody else not wanted to walk in the doors some mornings? But if we understand what is the message of Christ love, peace, and forgiveness. That's why we celebrate the Sacrament of Communion every Sunday. It's how we receive God's forgiveness. Christ isn't some thought out here somewhere. But somehow, mysteriously, it is still bread and wine. It doesn't transform. The fancy word is transubstantiation. But somehow Christ is mysteriously present in the bread and the wine. The fancy word is consubstantiation. So when you eat of that bread, when you drink of that wine, Christ is somehow mysteriously present with you. Peace is with you. Love Is with you. Forgiveness is with you. And when you leave these doors, it goes with you. Not just someplace to come check off the box, ease, you know, whatever, I've done my duty, now I can go on with the rest of my day. But to give my life perspective, because we're bombarded with so many messages about this is important and This is what you should do, and this is how you should look, and this is how you should be, and this is, right? Every day. And we come here to hear a different story, the true story. You are loved, you are forgiven, and may peace be with you. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you are loved.